So do a couple concepts real quick. Uh, one, we're going to talk about where CRM is moving. Then we're going to talk a little bit about mass personalization at scale and how it changes CX. And then I'm going to talk to you about how IoT gives you the context clues to get there. Right? Those three things have to come together. And uh, you'll see how this all puts itself together. But before we do that, there's a stat here that I use a lot. And the reason I use this stat is because it is scary. 52% of the Fortune 500 merged, acquired, gone bankrupt, fallen off the list since 2000. Now, this is not about the internet. It's not about CX. It's not about a financial crisis. What actually happened here was companies built digital business models. And part of that digital business model is really where you take CX. It's really where you take experiences. It's really where some of this IoT stuff is heading. And I'm going to show you how and why that occurred. But what I really want to talk about is this is important to your business. Because the IoT piece is really about providing context clues that make things more relevant to you. And by doing that, it allows you to improve your customer experience and build better digital business models. Why is that important? The reason those companies went out of business, the reason those companies aren't around, is because it's a winner-takes-all market. And as we move to these digital business models, you heard earlier from folks talking about Amazon. You heard you know, that move to service first just right now. As we move to these new business models, it's a winner-takes-all market. 40 to 70% of the market share, 40 to 70% of the profits are being taken away. Think about the top three companies in every one of your industries. They're controlling 40 to 70% of almost everything. It's winner-takes-all, and it's moving very quickly. There is no in-between, and that's an important piece. So what is this? Well, the way to describe what's happening in the marketplace is this is a post-sale, on-demand attention economy. Post-sale being everything after the sale is more important. There's a whole trail of revenue after that sale. There's a whole different way of servicing those companies. And it's on demand because I'm buying smaller and smaller slices of a product, a service, an insight, and even an experience. And once you realize that, then you start realizing that if you're not capturing my attention or saving me time, I'm not interested. I'm completely lost. I don't care. And that's kind of where we're headed. So what does this mean? We've got to move beyond where we are in CRM. Right? Traditional CRM, it's capturing things. It's organizing stuff. It's transactions. That is important, right? But the problem is we built a lot of these things disconnected. And because they're disconnected, we treat things disconnected. The experiences are siloed, right? The information's all in different places. And it's even worse. Since we've been in the cloud, we've got different clouds all over the place, right? We've got to connect different pieces of data. We've got different types of experiences. We've got different types of channels. And so that's creating a lot of this issue. Now, when we look at where CRM was before, there were different places and buckets, sales, service, marketing. But what are we trying to do? At the end of the day, we actually think there's only two metrics that matter, conversion rate optimization or click-through rates. Why? Because the future actually ties around commerce. If the focus is on commerce, then that brings life to your marketing program. If the focus is on commerce, that brings life to what you do on service and support. If the focus is on commerce, now I actually understand what I'm trying to drive to in a sale. And so we actually think that we are moving to campaign to commerce. And when you understand that it's campaign to commerce, you start looking at metrics differently. You start thinking about your CRM programs in a way that is different. Because what we're really trying to do is convert to happy customers. Right? And in each one of these, if you look at the business processes, that's the beginning. And if you take it to another level and just say, I would want to staple myself 
as a customer to an order? What would that look like? And then we start realizing, I don't care what channel you're in, it doesn't matter. It's channel ubiquity, not multi-channel, not omni. I don't care exactly where you're standing, how you want that. My job is to make sure that experience is given to you in as personalized a way that I can. These are 20 steps to deliver an order person to the right person at the right time, in the right form factor, in the right frequency, in the right business model, in the right packaging, right? That's what people really want to get to. And what we're trying to do is simplify that as we get to this level of personalization. And so this is why we say, remember this, this is about conversion rate optimization and click-through rates. Doesn't matter what system you're in. So what do we do? How do we supercharge customer experiences? We know customer experiences are the way that we make that transition. And so one of the important things is mass personalization at scale. Doesn't that sound like an oxymoron? Mass personalization at scale. But what we're trying to do here is get to certain things that allow us to do that. Channel ubiquity. I don't care what channel I'm in, but you do have to know what channel someone else is in if you're trying to service a customer. When we think about settings and environments, the reason we think about that is because in an IoT world, we start realizing that I'm standing in a building. I'm in a retail environment. I'm in line at a store. I'm waiting to actually experience a ride, right? I'm in front of a bank teller. The settings and environments change things. If my setting is a day in the life of an office, I actually look at things very differently. So you start realizing, hey, what happens if I wake up in the morning and I realize that all my systems, my house, my car, my calendar are all connected? Something strange happens. It might say, hey, there's traffic. There's traffic in OTP. We're going to be 30 minutes late. Would you like to cancel your first meeting? Well, that's a very interesting question. You get to the building. It sees who you are. It says, oh, OK, you've been through this building five times. There's no need for a pass. We'll get you right on. You walk into the elevator. Hmm, you're on the seventh floor. Would you like to go to the seventh floor? Hey, by the way, your boss is on the 10th floor. You can actually sneak in a 15-minute meeting. Do you want to get into the 10th floor? Oh, by the way, squirrel, there's donuts on the fourth floor. What do you want to do? Do you take the donuts or do you go see your boss? Hmm. See, so it's stuff like that. That's a setting. Was that mobile? No. You know, was that a sensor? No. You know, was I looking at something in person? Did I flip a kiosk? No. We're talking about settings and scenes, and that becomes very important when you're designing these kind of experiences. When we think about context, we'll talk a little bit about the types of context that's important. We'll talk a little bit about choose-your-own-adventure journeys, and we'll talk a little bit about intention-driven design, how you get there, and then there's a piece around cognitive computing that's important because that's powering the future. That's helping us learn these behaviors and bring it back to you. So context. There are four context clues that are the most important. It's your role and your identity. It's the time, it's the location, and it's weather. If you get those four down, you pretty much can do almost everything that you need to do. Now this context, why do we want that? We want to be more relevant, right? We want to get to data, but we want the data to give us context so we can actually get to insights. And the more insights we have, the more recommendations I can make over time. A great example of this, the second thing, is choose your own adventure journeys. How many people remember choose your own adventure books? Start on page one, go to page 50, come back to 30, go back to page 27, oops, the end. Customers don't want funnels. Customers don't want onboarding journeys. Customers don't want to be force-fit into a process, into a journey experience. In fact, they want to choose their own venture, right? We know there's certain things that people are going to do, but they never do it in the order you want them to. We already know that. But our idea is to guide people to a way that they can get to a self-directed journey. Right? There are different types of journeys out there. 
They're ad hoc things. It just happened that way. You can kind of track that. There's prescribed, we're going to make you do it this way for compliance. There's guided journeys where we walk people. And there's self-learning as people move around. Ultimately, we're going to kind of get to the intention-driven concept. And I'm going to show you what intention-driven looks like. So I need a volunteer. And I need someone that actually buys coffee in the morning. Not makes it, not picks it up in the office. Who here buys coffee in the morning? Go ahead. You are? Jean. OK, Judy? Judy, all right, perfect. Where do you get coffee? Starbucks. Starbucks. What time? Latte. Latte. And what time of the day? All times of the day. All times of the day. Okay. Now, when you travel, do you also go to Starbucks? She knows where every Starbucks is when she's traveling. Oh, this is perfect. Okay. Before the Starbucks app, she was the locator. Excellent. Now use the Starbucks app. Okay, this is perfect. Okay, so we know you always get coffee. Now, do you ever get food with your coffee? Sometimes, yes. Excellent. Now, what happens when you're with people? Does that change what you buy in terms of the coffee? All coffee all day. This is very cool. Now, if you go out on a run, would you ever get an iced coffee? Okay. Now, are there times you wouldn't get an iced coffee? No. Okay, excellent. So she gets coffee all the time, right? Now, this is one of the things that you want to be able to do. Now, what I'm talking about intention-driven is like, I know that she gets coffee, what, every two hours, three hours? Wow, okay, she knows the names of the people in the Starbucks for the places you get coffee. Okay, but do you get coffee every two hours, three hours? Like, what, what's the kicker to get you to walk into Starbucks? So if you're moving, you're getting Starbucks. Where's the nearest Starbucks here? Aha. We'll do an offer. Click. No, but that's okay. But this is the point, right? What we want to do with intention driven is we found someone that just gets coffee all day, and there are different triggers that we want to learn, right? And what's interesting is, you know, what we want to do is find different situations and scenarios where maybe I can make you an offer on a food. I know you, what do you, what do you always order? A latte? Okay. Would you ever order something different besides a latte? Okay. But I wouldn't know that. So every time she makes an order, I'm going to offer the latte because we know that, right? That's predictive analytics. Great. We know she does that. But then what we want to know is, will she bite on something else? But you would get something. You would get an iced coffee, though, right? So that's an interesting offer we learn over time. And then I would offer you another type of coffee, like a tall grand or a white lot. You know, you might say no. And every time she says no, I remember that. And because I remember that, I start figuring out intention-driven. All right, every three hours, hey, we got a special. You're interested? Hey, you just walked back. Would you like to get a latte? Oh, it's really hot. Would you like to get an iced coffee? And so over time, I'm learning her behavior. I'm asking and connecting. I'm asking and connecting. When I do that, I can actually skate where the puck is. And this is why it's very important. Because if you take context, the location that she's around, if you take the time of day, if you take the people that she's around, and then if you connect that with a choose-your-adventure journey to give her different options along the way, and you learn what happens, now you have an intention-driven design. And that is a very important part of what we're building around personalization. Now, how do we get that information? How do we get to the context? That's what makes IoT so exciting. Because what IoT is doing, it's allowing us to get different sensors. And it's adding to all the different types of signals that we're getting. So in today's world, mobile. Mobile is more than a device. It's about doing things in motion. Social is about changing the verbs that we connect to. Cloud is our ability to actually bring all this together in one place. Right? This is a compute power. This is access to storage. Big data takes that information, processes it, and gives us recommendations. And IoT is our way to get to context. 
right? And so you take an example like Uber. Who's used Uber in the last 30 days? Right? Uber's there. It's a mobile device. You look, it's mobile. You see where you are. They see where you're going. Wonderful, right? It's social. You rate the driver. You ever wonder why you don't get picked up? They rate you. So let's see what's going on, right? It's also, if you think about it, it's big data. What happens when it rains with Uber? What happens to your price? You get surge pricing, right? And it's IoT because it's tracking the driver, the movements, the routes. It's trying to figure out what are common routes at 4 p.m., what happens? And people are buying that data to in traffic patterns, right? Pizza companies are trying to figure out, hey, maybe we don't need drivers. We're just hopping onto the next Uber, right? So we're seeing these type of different business models actually emerge. And that's what makes us interesting because business models are being created using these technologies to take you there. And as we look at the shift to where these different technologies are heading, IoT is the beginning of the next wave of these technologies, which are actually helping us improve customer experience, helping us improve personalization. So what do we want to do? We want to take IoT to create these brand new experiences. We want to take IoT to drive this personalization wave. Now here's the thing. When everyone talks about IoT, they're talking about sensors. Here's this thing, it's connected, it's measuring your heart rate, great. And then they're talking about platforms and like hardware and software systems and connections. But the value in IT is not that. The value in IT is how do we sell and broker this different type of information? How do we access different types of information to create an offer to Judy who might want to get coffee? Right? And that's the kind of stuff that we're starting to think about. And we can take that into different ways. I'm going to give you some examples of how this works. This is GE, right? These guys, their business model is delivering on uptime. So they get things up 99.9999999% uptime. And that's what you pay for. And they know by ground vibration, by temperature, by wind speed, by who's the team that put the power line up, by the manufacturer of the wire cable, they know when a power line's gonna go down, eight to 10 days before it happens, by using these sensors, by bringing these prediction models in place. That's one example of IoT in place, doing remote and proactive monitoring. And they can do that really easily up here. Each one of these nodes represents a power center, a power line, and they're trying to figure out what might take that power line down. And if I can send someone up there to make sure that line doesn't go down, I've already won. Here's another great example, Disney. Who's been to Disney? Who's been to Disney World, Disneyland? Have you seen the magic band? Anybody use a magic band? The magic band's pretty cool. It opens your room. It allows you to pay for things. It allows you to skip lines, right? It tracks you inside the park, right? It might suddenly, oh my God, all these people went down Tomorrowland. We've got to staff that differently. Hey, the bathrooms are completely packed over here in Fantasyland. Okay, what do we do, right? Oh wait, you know, it's fireworks time. We've got to clear people out in different places. We need more staffing. And they're tracking to see what's going on within the park. It's a pretty cool thing. It costs them a billion dollars to put this thing in there. Right? Now, the powerful thing about what they did here is they raised your ticket prices and you didn't complain. Right? You're paying a lot. I mean, think about it. Why do you do Disney? What do you guys do Disney? Fun. It's fun, okay? It's magical, right? It's for the family, wholesome. And so when you put that together, right? They're basically trying to get to a better customer experience because you're using that data. In fact, what they're actually doing is they've charged you more money so they can track you like a gerbil, so they can sell more crap to you, and you love it. Right? It's beautiful. Right? And that's an example of how you take IoT and customer experience together. This is another great one. This is a showerhead. There's a company in Boston. 
And basically what they wanted to do is, their IoT project was to put sensors in shower heads. And you're like, ah, that's kind of boring. Why don't you put sensors in shower heads? But if you're in the lodging industry, you realize your MPS score, five out of the top 10 items are related to the shower. It's too hot, it's too cold, the water pressure is horrible, it's dripping, right? It's inconsistent. That drives a lot of it. So for a dollar a shower head per month, a hotel operator can actually pretty much monitor what's going on and actually improve their MPS score. Now that's pretty cool, but let's take this one step further. They can actually give that away for free and say, hey, I'll monitor all your showers for free. Give me your service contract. Because what they can do is replace their competitors' products with theirs. And within three years, they could actually rip everyone else out. That gets very more interesting. And guess what? They can create a whole plumber's network to actually train people to do that and actually pretty much light up a whole network of service providers that are designed to rip out their competitors. Right? That gets very interesting with scheduling and automation. They know that a certain part is going to go down more than someone else's. They know that a competitor's product is, probably has a higher failure rate. Now they have all this data, and they can broker that data in the insights. Now why is that important? Because what we're doing with IoT is we're transforming experiences not only reactively, but proactively. Right? And there are a bunch of insight-based business models that are here. And these insight-based business models change things. Who uses Waze or Google traffic? You guys use Google Maps for traffic? Does that work around here? You guys have the, one of the worst traffic uh, situations in the country. So, okay, well that's one example, right? So imagine you're traveling, you're in Florida, you're traveling around Orlando, you're lost, right? And your car is connected to the internet, right? And you know that you're down to two gallons of gas, would you pay a dollar to find your nearest gas station? Anybody do that on an app? Track down their gas stations? Okay. But guess what? There are probably about 50 gas stations that are really excited to figure out you know, who's down to three gallons of gas. Right? And they'll be willing to pay two to $300 a month to just track down drivers who are down to three gallons of gas and offer them a hot dog and a Coke and a Phillip. Right? That's what we're talking about, insight-based differentiation. And that's taking these sensor networks and accessing that information to create something different. Insight brokering is also important. People want to know how much water did you use? How much power did you consume? Right? How many payrolls did you connect to? Right? How many connections are you actually doing? How many leads do you generate? People want that information. And they're going to sell that and connect that to different people. And the last piece is really these insight networks where they take all this information to create different sets of business models. And that happens today in ad networks if you see what happens. A great example here is these guys. Anyone ever have to wait, like I do, for like a package? Like I've had to wait for an iPhone, right? And it happens all the time. And I, have, I typically have to catch a flight around 5.30, and these guys don't show up till 4.30. Anyone have this problem? Right? It kind of stinks, right? So just as you're about to leave, they're going to deliver the package. They miss you. Sorry, we missed you. They give you a little sign, and then you go off. This happens a lot to me. But imagine if you had the ability to track the truck on Waze see where the truck is, swipe a card or actually pay online, get a barcode and run to the driver and pick up your package earlier. How many people pay $25 to do that? Right. How many people pay $50 to do that for something really important? What I'm saying with shoes. Okay, now I got more hands. But that's my point, right? We just took a whole bunch of things that are connected in different ways and brought them to life. 
And when we can do that, you can create brand new businesses. This doesn't cost you a lot of money to do. Now, the reality is you don't want people running after the drivers, right? You know, waiting for their packages. That's a really bad idea. But what we can do is we can divert them to a locker, right? We can divert the package and have it sent somewhere else to, to the lobby or even to the, even to the airport if you're going to be there. Right? And that's what makes us powerful, right? Is we want to be able to find these models. That's where we bring this IoT piece and customer experience together. Now, here's one piece that's really important. This is something we tell everybody. This stuff is happening so fast. Digital Darwinism is unkind to those who wait. Why? I'll give you an example. Companies who don't see these business model shifts, like taking IoT and bringing it back to customer experience, aren't going to be around. This is a study by Richard Foster, who's a professor of management at Yale. The average age of a company when the S&P 500 started in 1958 was about 64 years, 63 years. Today, it's about 15. It's going to be 12 by 2020. That's a 4x to 5x compression. These companies are going, these are going out of business. You don't want to be one of those. Right? And this is why it's so important. All right, who here is from the business side of the house? Raise your hands. Anyone here from the IT tech side of the house? All right. It's really important for everyone to work together here, if you're not. I'd ask you to shake hands, but that'd be kind of rude. So. But anyways, this is the point, right? On the business side, we want things simple. We want them simple. We want to make it easy to use, no training, no manuals. That's the type of experiences we want to create for our customers. We also want this to be scalable, easy to make a change, easy to add a new feature, add a new journey, right? Each add a new product or service or slice an experience or change pricing. We also want this to be sexy. You want this, you want to love to use this stuff. You want to look at it and it's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. That's the type of experience you want to create. On the IT side, they spent years stabilizing the stuff, right? They don't want something to take down a system. They don't want another connection point to rip something out. So they want to make sure everything's okay. They also want to make sure it's secure. Nobody wants to be on the front page of the Wall Street Journal with the data breach. And of course, they need to build sustainable platforms, long-term platforms. But they're not 10-year. They're not 5-year. They're not even 3 years. They're 18 to 24 months. The average age of a mobile app in the consumer world is 42 days. Right? Long-term platform is like 2 years. Right? Things are changing so fast. So for things to succeed, what we really need is IT and business to work together on this. And this is why it's so important to make sure those partnerships happen. Right? Business is going to keep doing whatever they're doing to get up here. IT, they've got to scale. Then they've got to move up. They've got to scale. Then they've got to move up. But that time frame is being compressed. And over time, they're going to have to move. It's almost going to be like continuous DevOps. Right? They're going to stand up, run something, stand up, run something, and be out there. And that's what makes that successful. All right, so real quick, what do we have to do? Well, if you want to be successful here and taking IoT and CX and pull that together, there are a couple things that are important. We want to start by the experiences. What are you trying to build? What's that outcome? We often ask people to think about where their brand is and then drive from there the experiences and outcomes. The second thing that's important, you've got to build the right team. Didn't have a chance to talk about this, but we need digital artisans. And we need to humanize the digital piece of this. And what I mean is you've got all the right brain people, you want to balance out with the left brain folks. So lots of science, technology, engineering, and math. I want user experience folks. I want people to tell stories. I want ethnographers, anthropologists, because I want them to be able to make this usable. I want them to create the right teams. And when you have that in place, 
you can actually create digital artisans, teams of digital artisans that understand how to bring that to life. You saw that GE thing, that was beautiful, right? You can click, see what's going on. Imagine if like it was just techies that built that thing, it'd be a green screen, you get spreadsheets, you couldn't understand what's going on. That is just drag and drop and connect and drill down. And then of course, what we wanna do is create these new business models. IoT is a project, but IoT around improving customer experiences is about, hey, how do we create a business model where we can actually transform how customers engage with us? That's the one with the FedEx example, right? Think about that, right? If I can just change the way I can get a package delivered to me, I might even pay more to do that. That's a revenue stream, and I'm happy about that. And that's about using and creating brand new business models and then applying the technologies to those business models. And the last piece is data. We need lots of data. But what we want is to take data, convert it into information, do it by business processes, campaign to lead, lead to order, incident to resolution, take that in place, and then what we want is study the patterns. We want insights. We're gonna use IoT to understand what happens. Is it a time-based thing? Is it a location change? Is it the people that I'm surrounded by? Is it the product or service I've purchased? Is it the weather? What are the impacts? And you start there to identify patterns. And when you have those patterns, then you can make the next set of recommendations. And when you can give people recommendations and choices, we can start getting to those choose your own adventure journeys. We can think about intention-driven design. And then once we have that, we have the ability to go from data to decision. We gotta get away from gut-driven decisions to data-driven decisions that show patterns of insight so that you can make better recommendations. And then the last piece is you're going to co-innovate and co-create with your partners. And if you can do that on your platforms or you can create an opportunity for other different types, even your competitors to show up on your platforms, that's how you scale the win on a digital business level. So recap, real quick. 52% of the Fortune 500 merged, acquired, gone bankrupt, fallen off the list. Something's shifting. We're in the middle of a digital disruption. If you want to succeed in this digital disruption, you can't go down the traditional model of CRM. That's only transactional. We need to supercharge CX. And by doing that, we have to address mass personalization at scale. Think of context, choose your own venture journeys, and intention-driven design. And once you've done that, then what we can actually think about is taking something like IoT to improve context. And by improving context, you're more relevant. And by being more relevant, People will engage with you. And once you have that in place, you can start building these insight-based business models. And if you do that, you'll be successful. And you can actually use IoT and CX and bring that to transform your experiences. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Sorry, just go ahead and fire away. Are you commercial or residential? Uh, mainly residential, but I do commercial as well. Okay. Uh, what's your average DOM? Uh, the days of market, uh, I'd say no more than 30 to 45 days. So 30 to 45 days. Okay. So a lot of the stuff that you're doing, right, um, what's actually happening big in the real estate market, right, has been VR and AR, right? Being able to bring a lot of the, bring properties to life. Right. Right. And so what you're looking for is the ability to actually get customers connected to certain types of properties. Now the problem is your customers are fleeting, right? They're like every 15 years, maybe every five, depending on what the market you're in, right? As people move in different migration patterns. So for you, 
Um, bringing IoT and CX might not necessarily be as important on that engagement side, but the IoT piece is really what you can do at the property level to automate what's actually happening in the property to bring certain features of the property to people. Like maybe traffic patterns become important, right? What is the school bus routes? How do people see that? What, do, what kind of journeys are in place? That becomes important. Um, maybe it's the same thing as trying to figure out paths, right? You're doing a showing, right? You have the, I don't know what you guys do out here. Maybe Tuesdays is broker day, right? So if Tuesdays is broker day, what you want to be able to do is then, hey, what's the closest path I can piggyback off of someone's marketing by watching to see what the different patterns are, right? Even by knowing Uber routes, I can actually see what properties I might want to go after versus a property that's going to be a dog, right? So now you know exactly what's actually going to be a really good market based on, hey, more Uber users over here than somewhere else. I want to go after that market, right? So what you start doing is you start changing your prospecting and you actually want to go after certain types of listings because you know you're going to get higher margin of those listings, less DOM, and of course, you're going to actually get better turn, right? And that actually helps you with your inventory, especially what you're trying to do. So for full disclosure, I actually had a realtor's license at some point. So. <laughs> So let's give uh, Ray a big round of applause. Thank Thanks. You.